0: I have very uh, specific instructions not to move the podium, so I'm going to try my best not to do that. Okay, uh, pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, these, these kids that you've given us in this, um, your body here. And um, thank you, just thank you for this community, Lord. Thank you for the way that you You give us your spirit, you also give us your spirit through our brothers and sisters uh, of all ages. And uh, we are very grateful that we don't have to walk through this life alone, and we don't have to follow you alone. And so um, thank you for your word, thank you for what the word tells us and what you've done. And Lord, we ask that you would come afresh and give us what we need today. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. So, if, if I can be honest with you, uh, I was not really looking forward to Easter this year. Uh, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one, I'm messed up. Um, but I, I, you know, the things that have happened in the last couple weeks, um, just feel sad, feel tired, uh, got sick this week and feel like I could sleep for weeks if I was able to, and, uh, and then I just feel like there's a lot of buildup for Easter. It feels like we got to, you know, because of everything that Jesus did for us, the least we could do is put on our khakis and come and, and worship him. Uh, and I was just thinking about that and thinking how easy it is for us to get this whole thing twisted and there's a way in which, I mean, it was happening to me this week. I don't know if it was happening to you this week, but feeling like I have to do something, like I have to get myself to a certain place. If we're here at Easter and I'm not really feeling it, then, you know, as as I've heard people say in the past, you know, if, if you're not feeling it now, you need to check your pulse. But It's like, yeah what if, what if I'm not feeling it? you know what if what if I'm not exuberant? what if I'm sad or what if I'm like having a hard time connecting and it feels like sometimes, especially with Easter, it just feels like we're we're coming back to the same old ground and trying to wring a little bit more out of the the rag this time if we could just do it a little different this time uh then maybe we can get something new out of this and and it you know, if we're not careful, all of a sudden it's like, this is all about me doing something to get something from Jesus, or to to even, maybe more than that, to give something to Jesus. Like, he needs something from me today. Um, And I I think this is really where our story meets us. You think about Peter and John, think about Mary, and um, just see what, what, What I'm asking and what we need is what Jesus gave them um, on this day. So so we start off with Mary going to the tomb, expecting to find a very dead Jesus. And she was still going to the tomb because it was the right thing to do to pay respects and to to be devoted to this Jesus who she thought she knew uh, was dead. And so she gets to the tomb... And when she sees the stone rolled away and it's the third day and Jesus, remember, had like told his disciples all these things. Um, He he would talk to them in figures of speech. And then as the time got closer, he would say things more directly and say, hey, I have to be put to death. But don't worry, three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And even with all of this. Um, Mary went to the tomb on the third day expecting to find a dead Jesus. And so when she saw the stone rolled away and she saw that the grave was empty, her first thought was not what happened. Her first thought was somebody, I know that somebody took him. You know, in that day, uh, grave robbers were a real threat and they would come and, and take bodies out of graves, but also particular to this this body, this Jesus, who was such a controversial figure, there may have been reasons that uh, people who opposed him would want to come and take his body out of the tomb. And so her first thought is, I know, I know that he is still dead, and I know that someone has taken his body somewhere else. And so then she goes and tells Peter and John, and you know, it's like Peter and John are coming to go right or wrong. Somebody has taken Jesus' body. we got to go do something about this. You know, maybe there is some shame left over from abandoning him in his hour of need. Well, okay, we're not going to get it wrong again. We're going to go do something about this. And so they come, and they see. And again, that's, their first thought is not that Jesus is risen from the dead like he said he would. But they're there to do something for Jesus. To go pay our respects, to go right or wrong And and it's easy for us to be very um, devoted to a dead Jesus. To feel like we have to defend him. We have to stand up for him. We have to gin up enough uh, emotion in ourselves to go worship him. But we have to do all these things for Jesus. But if we we will allow him to do this... um, he is going to show himself something very different, that he is not a victim, that he is living and active in this world, and that he has done everything for us, and he is still doing everything for us. It's not this moment, Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, is not this moment that we look back and say, man, he really did an awesome thing that one time, and now apparently he hasn't done anything since then, and it's up to us. But, this Jesus, you know, they go in the tomb, John and Peter go in the tomb, and they see, and, and you kind of think, like, what is the point of these details that the linen cloths were laying there, and then the face cloth was, was folded neatly? And it's, it's the disciples, it's hitting them as they see all this that, um, oh, wait. Yeah, it's not, it's not grave robbers, because why would anyone take the cloths off of his body? Um, And it's not that Jesus is a ghost. Uh, It's not that Jesus was in a hurry and he better get out of here before things change, that he is in full control, that he is alive. He is in so much control and and reigning over things that he had time to take the cloth off his face, neatly fold it, and set it down before he left the grave. And so they go off and they believe, but then Mary's still there weeping. And, And I... I really want us to, to dig into where Mary is in this part of the story because uh, I think this is where we live so much of the time is she, she cannot see because of her grief. She cannot see because of what feels so immediate and so real to her right then is that my savior is dead, his body is gone. I know, I know, I know, I know all these things. This is the reality that I'm, I'm painting for myself. This is the reality that I'm living in. And so then these angels, I mean, think about this angels, these angelic beings are in the tomb and she is so consumed with grief that that doesn't even tip her off, that something might be different than what she thinks. I mean, think about If, if all of this failed, if everything failed and Jesus was not able to accomplish his mission, what is going on with two angels calmly sitting in the tomb looking at her and asking this question, hey, why are you crying? And, and that, that doesn't even set off a, an alert that maybe things are not the way that I think they are. And she explains to them why she's crying. Again, I know. I know that he's dead. I know that somebody's taken him away. I know all these things. That's why I'm weeping. And then Jesus himself is standing behind her, and she turns to him, and he says, hey, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And in that question, who are you looking for, that's going to determine what we find. She's looking for a dead Jesus who she loved very much, but who's still very dead. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you're looking for a dead Jesus, you're not going to be able to see a live one who's standing right before you. And then in this beautiful moment, she recognizes him when he calls her by name. And he says, Mary. And then her eyes are open. And we we see this all over Scripture that... um, Something that sin does is it blinds us to the reality of God at work in the world. It blinds us to who we are, our need for him. It blinds us to who he is, his goodness, his love for us. And it takes the Lord himself removing the blindfold, so to speak, and revealing himself to us before we say, oh, there you are. And so he has this beautiful moment with Mary where he speaks directly to her, and that's all she needs, and here in this moment, her Lord Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He is alive and, and his, his plan continues and his mission continues and everything is moving forward. And this is not the time when everything is put right. This is not the time when everything is put right. All of these disciples, the closest disciples to him, they are all going to be martyred before the end of the story. Things are going to get very dark. And yet, he is on the throne. And if we get those things backwards, it's going to be very hard for us to see him living and active, working in our lives the same way that he is living and active right here with Mary at the tomb. And what he says to her, um, he says, "Don't, Don't come and embrace me. Now, don't try to have this moment when everything is put to right now because this is not the time, but I'm going to my Father. And you go and tell all of my my brothers and sisters, you go and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. That I'm ascending to my God and your God. So I want us to look at three things here from this statement that Jesus says. He says that now my father is your father. Galatians 4, 4, and 5 says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because of what Jesus has done on our behalf, he has made a way for us to be not only reconciled to God, but adopted into his family so that now we can speak of God the Father the way that Jesus speaks of God the Father, that we have a Father in heaven who oversees all things and is in control of all things. Jesus told his disciples in in a few chapters back, it's actually to your benefit, you're gonna be afraid when I leave and I'm taken from you, but it's actually better that I'm taken from you because when I go, that allows me to send a helper to you who will never leave you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you and he will guide you into all the truth. So the spirit of Jesus himself now dwells within the people of God and is our shepherd and he leads us into all truth. He leads us into remembering everything that Jesus said. He brings glory to Jesus. He teaches us everything that we need to know. He shepherds us and leads us all the way. And then lastly, when he says he is ascending, um, that's very important because what he is doing is, is active. He is actively ruling from his throne in heaven. Ephesians 1, 20 to 22 says this, God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. So what we have now is this picture, not of a Jesus who did his work at the resurrection and said, I'll see you guys at some point later. Good luck. But we have a, a Jesus who is actively ruling and engaging in every moment of this world in which we live, where there is still darkness, there is still light, and it, there is still this war. The battle has been won, but we are not yet living in time of victory, where everything is put right. But we do have a Jesus who is actively on the throne, who is defeating all of our enemies, including the last enemy, which is death. And he is at work accomplishing the will of the Father as we speak, and no one can turn his hand. And so whatever his good will is, he is accomplishing his good will in this world from his throne. This is not a one-time thing that happened in the past, and we have to keep working a little bit harder each year to go back to what was thousands of years ago, the last time that God did something. No. What God did, what we celebrate today through the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ is what is still happening now. He is actively ruling from his throne. He is actively living inside of every one of his people, shepherding us, guiding us. He is accomplishing his will for the world and for our lives through us. And he will do so and he will keep us until the day that he returns when everything is finished and we experience it all being finished. What is finished now is everything necessary to bring us back to God. And we have not yet fully experienced what it is that it's all finished, but there is a day when our experience of it all will be finished, when Jesus returns and brings us home and brings the new heavens and the new earth to this heavens and this earth, and we experience all things made new. As, and as he taught us to pray uh, that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, there will be a day where that matches perfectly and we experience that for all eternity. And uh, for those of you who were with us this morning at our sunrise service at Percy, um, there was a, a moment that I, I unfortunately wasn't able to see until it was past. But uh, there was this moment where we were up at the overlook and I thought, man, uh, there's something here. And there's something I feel like we're just, there's still this wall, there's still this wall of like the going through the rhythms and going through the motions and doing the things that we know to do and things are a little predictable. And I just found myself praying as we left. Um, I think I missed an opportunity to like bring that to our attention and for us to just acknowledge that and pray about that together. And that's what um, I want to leave us with this morning is when I was praying as I was leaving Percy Warner this morning was, Lord, would you please um, break through this wall for us? Would you please teach us how to live really live differently. Not just learn new things about you. And not just put, try to fit all of that and keep what fits when I like, am married first to my context of living in Nashville in the social circles that I swim in. And like, I'm really just gonna try to follow you as much as it'll fit into this thing. Um, but would you reverse that? And would you teach us how to follow you first and let us experience the life that you have for us and live differently as this community, your people, this resurrection people that you, you live in us. Y'all, he lives in us. He's active in us, he's moving in us. And he, is, he said, as I, am send, as I was sent into the world, I'm sending you into the world. He's sending us on mission. Um, We're in a war <laughs> and there are people who are blind to him and they think that he is their enemy when he is their savior. And he said, I'm sending you into the world to open their eyes. It's not us that's going to open their eyes. It's him through us because his spirit lives in us and moves in us and works in us. And what he's doing is what he's doing now. Uh, The last couple of verses of this chapter that we read, um, John is writing as the author of this gospel. And he's saying, Hey, look, I didn't write down everything that Jesus did because if I tried to do that, I would still be writing. But what I did was I wrote down what you needed to know for the purpose of this, the purpose of this whole thing is so that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you may have eternal life in believing that he is the Christ. And so that's what he's doing when his word goes forth, his Holy Spirit is living and active and moving through the preaching and the the speaking of his word creates this thing in us called faith that allows us to say, It's not that I understand and comprehend everything, but it's that as you're up here saying these things, I'm back here saying, yeah, I believe that. I think that's true. Um, And and that's how he's moving in the world, is that he is removing the blindfold. He's allowing people to see him for who he is. And y'all, he is... He is living and active and doing all sorts of amazing things. And if you read through these accounts of what Jesus did as he appeared to his disciples, I was talking with a couple friends, uh, Clayton and Mike, this morning on the way back uh, from Percy Warner, Uh, when he meets the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he is messing with them. I mean, these two guys are so sad and Jesus finds them and he starts walking with them. He's like, hey, what are you all sad about? And they're like, are you the only one who doesn't know what's happened these last few days? And they start telling him everything. And Jesus is like, man, yeah, that is really sad. And they're like, the more they explain, the more it's, it's they just can't see. But, but what they're saying to him is we're sad because blah, blah, blah. And what they say is exactly what Jesus said was gonna happen. He said, I'm gonna die and three days later I'm gonna raise from the dead. And they're like, yeah, we're sad because he died. And now it's the third day and we haven't seen him yet. And like, and the tomb was empty and these women went to the tomb and they said it was empty and that made us even more sad. And, he, and finally, he's like, hey, y'all, like, that's what I told you. It's me, Jesus. And they're like, oh, man. And it says he opened their mind to understand all the scriptures. And then right after it says that, it said he disappeared. And I'm just going to tell you all, like, he's doing that now. We do not understand all the ways in which he is working now. We, we know what we know, and, and he, he's given us what we need, and he is in us giving us what we need, and he's in us giving us what we need. But if we think we can pin him down and, and nail the answers and know exactly what he's going to do and make him predictable, he's going to feel like a very dead Jesus that we have to put on our khakis and nice dresses and go worship him. But that's not who he is. He's a very living and active Jesus, and he actually doesn't need anything from us. But we need everything from him, and he's accomplished everything that we need from him. And now he's inviting us. Do you believe this? Yes. Okay, great. Come with me. Come with me on this mission that is the same mission throughout humanity, which is to redeem God's people and bring them home so that we can be together for all of eternity. And that's what this is. That's what this little gathering is of people, um, not just on Sundays, but the people that are Midtown West. That is what we are. We are a little outpost of the body of Christ where he is living and active and moving among us, in us, through us, and in the city. So if you are new here, um, you are welcome. And we are glad that you're here, and we ask that you would keep coming back and, and see what this living and active Jesus is all about. Um, but, but let's not get it backwards. Uh, and when we get it backwards, he's so kind to uh, help straighten things out for us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to feel a certain way about him. He doesn't need us to be hype for him. He doesn't need us to give him a certain amount of money. He doesn't need us to dress a certain way. He doesn't need us to know all the answers. He doesn't need us to be good little boys and girls. But he is everything that we need and he's inviting us on an adventure with him. Father, thank you for freeing us from needing to, uh, to be or do something. That is the gospel, is that we were dead in our sins. We are unable to do what is necessary to be okay. So as, as a very familiar passage says, because Father, you love the world so much, you gave your son Jesus to live and die on our behalf and be raised again from the dead and to give us his righteousness so that we can have life in you because you love us. We believe that. Help our unbelief. (laughs) We believe that you are living and active. You are dwelling inside of us. You are dwelling in our midst as a community. Help our unbelief. And Lord, lead us to new places with you on this grand adventure that is your mission in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.